People don't like to talk about the earthly business of dying, but when my mother got sick, my father and I faced that reality. The help we received from Mountain Valley Hospice made all the difference in her quality of life. Their in-home care was remarkable, and when the time came, the Waltz Hospice home was a godsend. My mother was able to live her best life even as she was leaving it. Contact Mountain Valley Hospice at mtnvalleyhospice.org. This should be played at high volume. Vickers blocking his teammate. White flag this time. One to go. He's got to block two teammates to win it, though. One and one. So he flies way up high and takes the white flag. Johnson State fouls in the 48 car. He's got the push. Tony Stewart the 20. He'll keep Vickers to the high side. Vickers couldn't block a boat. Side by side. Two laps to go. Somebody's got to give. Getting into turn one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Pit Stop here on WTOB, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. We're joined by Randy Pettit, and if his face and name and voice aren't familiar enough to you, the original host of this show might be. James Wilson has pulled a Tom Brady and come out of retirement. Hi, buddy. Hey, thank you for that. What an entrance. I was thinking, I don't know, the Randy Pettit would get something better than I got, but well, I'll take that, I guess. It's an honor for Tom Brady to be in the same <laughs> breath as both of you legends. He has nothing on either of you, so, you know, there's that. Anyways, uh, Randy, there was a record that, I don't know if you or I or James really ever thought this would fall, but I think we knew if one person was going to do it, it was going to be the driver of that number two sportsman car, Amber Lynn, uh, in the Sportsman 100, important race for her, important race for the for the uh, for that division overall, uh, especially in terms of points. And Amber got the job done and broke Susan Kimball's record for uh, most wins by a female at the Madhouse all time. She sure did. And before I get started, I want to acknowledge what an honor it is to be on the same show with the Fresh Prince of Triad Radio, Mr. Brett Wiseman and. Hello, James. It's good to talk to you again. Um, Su- Susan Kimmel uh, won 11 street stock races at Bowman Gray Stadium, and I was there a uh, very, very long time ago. Uh, we were uh, good buddies, and Susan uh, came in very low-key, had a had a real low-buck car, ran the street stock division at Bowman Gray, and just got better and better and better and went from being somebody riding around the back to being a threat to win every week. And Susan wound up her career at the Madhouse with 11 victories, all in the sportsman division. And for many, many years, guys, uh, there was nobody on the horizon that was going to take that record away. But Amber Lynn came to Bowman Gray Stadium and started winning right away. She won three races as a street stock driver, and her family recognized they needed to move her up the ladder. They put her in sportsman car, and she got victory number nine in the sportsman division. Uh, Saturday night at the Madhouse, it gives her a total of 12, and the blonde bombshell from Walkertown, now the all-time winningest lady driver at Bowman Gray Stadium. And there's only one more feather in her cap yet to get, and that That's would a be a championship. That's right. And Glenda Merritt, as we mentioned on this program a while back, better known as GR Merritt, won the Blunderbust Championship for big old luxury cars back in the day at Bowman Gray. Yes, they raced those. It was quite a show. And G.R. Merritt, the only lady champion of Bowman Gray Stadium back in the early 80s. And that would be the next thing for Amber Lynn. Of course, 
that and stepping up to the highest division, the Brad's Golf Cars Modified. So congratulations to Amber Lynn and Susan Kimmel. As she well knows, records are made to be broken. And finally, somebody broke hers at the Madhouse. And I, th- I think if anybody asks Susan, or I'm sure she's gotten the question a, a multitude of times over the course of, of the past 48 hours. It, I don't think there was anybody better that she would have wanted uh, to have broken that record than somebody that's um, really embracing her role as a female driver at the Madhouse. And she told us, uh, Amber did, when she was on the show a few months ago, that she was not going to move up until she won a points championship in the sportsman division. And that's well within her grasp. But James, you brought up a good point when we were uh, chit-chatting before the show. Um, Amber's had, uh, this year, Randy's had her two best runs in 100 lap races. And James, you said that you felt like even on the old track surface the past few years, her best runs have been those longer 50, 75, 100 lap races. You feel like her car and her driving style suits better to those long runs. Oh, absolutely. I really think she's pretty decent off restarts. So, you know, I really struggle when it's something, um, you know, like a 50 lapper and they break it up and you only really get 11 to 12 laps. Um, you know, you got to think about it. This is a quarter of a mile racetrack. We, we sometimes forget that we're so used to watching other forms of racing. It's so close together that 11 laps can go by in no time at all. So I really think that when she can start chaining those laps together, getting that practice in, I know, you're turning left four times, but it's a whole lot more complicated than that if you've never done it. Um, she really seems to get the car together and get the car incredibly fast. It's incredibly hard to pass in every single division at Bowman Gray, but she somehow makes it work, and she makes those really dive bombs stick. I don't like to consider them dive bombs in a negative way, but she breaks later than everyone around her, and she makes it stick through the corner. So that's really all that matters. So I'm very excited to see what she can do. Um as she goes on, I know there's a couple more longer races uh, left so that she could secure that championship. Well, she's a good bit behind, guys, in the championship race, well down the list. And uh, one of the things that we got a note from Saturday night was she passed Tommy Neal, the Tiger Tommy Neal, the reigning champion, the guy out there with more sportsman wins active than any other driver. And she didn't have to put him in the guardrail. She didn't have to play bumper tag with him. Just a little, just a little bump and go. And Amber took off and set sail, and, you know, she beat a lot of really good drivers in cars Saturday night. One other factor in these longer races, guys, uh, they qualify for most of these races, and Amber's got a fast race car, but when you have the shorter races, typically they draw for their starting positions. And except for one night, her, her luck has been pretty rotten in the draw. So that that's another factor to look at well. But Amber, Amber got up on the wheel. She beat the Tiger Tommy Neal Saturday night, and nobody gave it to her. She earned it. Right, and let's kind of recap things there real quick. She uh, had, as you said, Randy, had the top qualifying time on the redraw, started in row two behind Tommy Neal and Chase Robertson. The race didn't actually start until 9.30 because of a 40-minute rain delay. Just 11 laps into that 100-lapper, two separate wrecks, took out seven cars at once when the race resumed after all that chaos. Just 13 cars were left on the track. Amber held off Riley Neal from behind to take the victory. And here's a quote, just like we were talking about earlier. Amber knows her place. This means a lot more to the kids and the girls that are coming up, she said after the race. All I ever hear is you shouldn't be doing this, Amber. You should be in the kitchen. But baby, I can cook dinner and win races. So let's go. Well, guys, I I call Amber a reluctant role model. Now, I'm not going to say she's as reluctant as, say, Charles Barkley was in the NBA, but uh, (laughs) Amber... 
Amber, you know, just wants to go out there and, and, and drive and win races. She started out in go-karts and has been highly competitive and successful in everything that she's ran. And she just wants to go and win races, guys. The fact that she is a, a lady driver is, is just something she has to deal with. It's not necessarily something she wants to carry on her shoulders, you know, the, the torchbearer for all the young women in the stands. But look at the line in the pit area on Saturday night to go talk to Amber Lynn. And she's recognized right. there's a lot of young women out there that look up to her and, and it carries a lot of responsibility. And um, I think reluctantly Amber has stepped up to the plate and recognized that and is trying to, uh, you know, to be somebody that these young women can look up to. And maybe one day they will be the next Amber Lynn at the Madhouse, you know? I think that's a hope for, for a lot of those girls. Speaking of uh, somebody that uh, knows their place in the pecking order, Lee Jeffries certainly does. Uh, he's among, yeah, I would say, you, you, you could call them veterans uh, in the in the modified division. Uh, picked up his first win in one of those 25 lappers. He called himself not a big dog, but a medium dog. That <laughs> was his quotation after the race. The 55-year-old, that was his 23rd career win. He held off Tim Brown afterwards. Uh, Caution-free 25-lapper. Um, Jeffrey's victory puts him 21st now in the all-time modified division winner's uh, winner book. Uh, winner book standings, I should say. He said, quote, I don't even know how many of these I've won, but I've been doing this a long time. He's not sure how long he's going to continue he says, with the economy, sponsors just aren't going to be there, and he's not getting him. He's not getting any younger. His 23rd career win, though, put him one behind Jonathan Brown and Melvin Swisher, who each are tied for 19th in stadium history. Randy, that's somebody you've known for a long time, and it had to be good to see him get back in victory lane the other night. Well, for the younger fans that may not know, uh, Lee Jeffries is a son of Ro the late great Robert Jeffries, who was a two-time Bowman Gray Stadium modified champion and uh, Robert Jeffries won those championships when Junior Miller was at his peak in his prime at the Madhouse one of the all-time greats and uh, Lee Jeffries uh, a chip off the old block he has been one of those guys that year in and year out is going to win somewhere between one and three races and maybe except for the last couple of seasons he's been a guy that's been up there in the top uh, say three to third, fourth, fifth in the points year in and year out. So not a surprise by me. I think the surprise was that it took him so late in the season to get one, but a much, much needed victory for a really good guy and a great racer from Wahlberg, Lee Jeffries. So it was, that was really good to see. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, other winners from Saturday night, Nate Gregg uh, spun out leader Bryant Robertson in the last lap. He won the 20-lap street stock division race. Greg, who is the points leader, nudged Robertson when he spun out. Uh, Greg won off of turn four, his fourth win of the season. His father, Billy, wound up behind him in second. Christian Joyce was third. A couple of the other winners from Saturday night, July the 30th, the last race of July with, as we know, just a couple of weeks left in this one. Brian Wall and Kevin Gilbert finishing out the top five. In that law, this is a John Barrow Street Stock Division race. Lee Jeffries, Tim Brown, Chris Fleming, Burt Myers, and Jonathan Brown, top five in race one of the Modifieds. Riley Neal, Justin Taylor, Spencer Martin, and Michael Adams, the top five in the 100th lapper for the Sportsman. The second Modified race, Brian Lofton, the winner after Mike Spini in the 37 car was disqualified uh, due to 
post-race technical inspection failure. That sounds familiar in the world of NASCAR from a week ago. Daniel Beeson, Jeremy Gerstner, Brandon Ward, and Jason Myers finishing out the top five there. Q1041 Stadium Stock Series, just 15 laps for those guys. Blaine Curry, Matt Alley, Isaac Harris, Justin Owens, and the one and only A.J. Sanders finishing in the top five there. So uh, a crazy finish to the second of 25 uh, for the Brad's Golf Cars Modified Series, guys. But when we come back, there's there's some things happening not quite all the way up the mountain, but I know there's a lot of people in our listing area that remember what North Wilkesboro Speedway was, what it used to be, and what Speedway Motorsports and, and, and XR and everybody that's putting the racetrack revival together uh, up there off of 421 uh, is ready to do. But there's going to be a lot of guys from the Madhouse that are involved, and there's going to be a couple of pretty notable Cup Series names That'll be there as well this week. We'll talk about that next. We're back here on the Pit Stop on WTOV, powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Brett Wiseman, Randy Pettit, James Wilson. Fellas racing back at North Wilkesboro Speedway. It brings me immense joy to say that incredibly immense joy but uh in this uh bootleg bash that's happening tuesday and wednesday night randy you'll be there uh and i'll let you guys react to uh some of the notable names on this entry list here in a second uh this for both nights there's there's quite a few guys from the madhouse on here we've got the myers brothers both bert and jason will be there um you've got luke fleming uh he'll be there jeremy gerstner uh Brandon Ward, there's going to be quite a few. Well, it, with the exception of Tim Brown, he's got a full-time job with uh, <laughs> RFK Racing down in Mooresville, and he said, quote, I have to work. I can't go. Uh, so, yes, he has a day job. It just also happens to be in NASCAR. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of folks from the Madhouse there, but there's there's some pretty darn notable names on here, too, from the world of cup racing. Uh, Bobby Labonte, he'll be in the 25 car for both nights. Ryan Newman will be in it only for Tuesday. And then Jonathan Brown, uh, a name familiar to us all here at the Madhouse. Uh, he'll be in that same 39 car on Wednesday night, August the 3rd, coming up this week. And then Ryan Priest will be in the 40 car uh, for both nights as well. Priest, uh, who previously drove for JTG Doherty Racing um, in the Cup Series and now drives for Rick Ware Racing and does some... Uh, dabbling in Xfinity and Truck Series racing. so But he has a modified background from up north, Randy, as you know. Uh, so he should have a ton of fun. But Randy, you'll be there um, to do your, you know, announcing showman No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually just going to hang out. I'm oh, you're going as a fan. Be, okay. I just okay. want to get to be a fan. I will be floating around the pit area and the grandstands to say hi to a bunch of folks. And James Wiseman, I wanted to let you go first because you get me started on Wilkesboro. I might hog all the time. Your thoughts on that great uh, list of names that'll be there on Tuesday and Wednesday? Well, the, honestly, I don't know that I really care who's at the track. I mean, I know that's controversial. Um, I know the pit stop was never had any controversies when I was hosting the track. <laughs> um, what are you trying but, but to say here? Well, I beefed with every driver that ever said anything. Um I don't care who's at the track. You could put a bunch of kids on bikes. It's racing at North Wilkesboro Speedway. That's really all that I matters agree. now. I agree. Here's the thing, yeah, though. Totally this is agree. a Bowman Gray market. So 
it's only icing on the cake that we get to see the best of the best from the modified series sans tim brown that really does suck um but clearly you can tell by his day job it isn't he's not a he's not a uh, what do you call it a pencil pusher he's, he, he lives racing you know it sucks that he won't be able to be there because i really do think he would have stood a good chance um, but I'm curious to see what some of the guys coming from down. Uh, I know there's some guys coming from the Northeast. I hope uh, those are some really good modified racers up there. Maine, New York, really awesome place. Michigan too. They've got uh, some Hampshire. pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Some of the best modified racing. So I'm really curious to see what this culture mix is going to have. You know, we race differently down here. Um, I'd argue they're a little bit more respectful up there of each other. They don't like to get as close as we do down here. It's the dirty South. We like to race dirty. So, I'm just curious to see exactly how that goes. I'm a stock car guy, though, so I've actually got my tickets for a little bit later. I'm going to see Dale Jr. run. So big names at the track, but ultimately the biggest of names is the track itself. Yeah, I as agree. often as I can get down there, I can. And I, I believe the 12th will be the first one I can uh, – Friday night, the 12th will probably be the first one I can get to. Um, I have early mornings uh, as the – Fresh Prince of Triad Radio. Well, guys, as, as you Randy well said, know, but... I've I've been around a while, <laughs> and um, North Wilkesboro Speedway is one of the tracks I consider my home track. I was one of the uh, voices of North Wilkesboro Speedway there at the track uh, in its last seven or eight years. I had the pleasure of working with uh, one of the legends of our sport and broadcasting, uh, my good friend Winston Kelly, who spent years with the Motor Racing Network and is now the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and his father, Earl Kelly, who was one of the original PA announcers at North Wilkesboro. And, man, what a wealth of stock car information. And it was a pleasure working alongside those men. Had a chance to announce several uh, of the NASCAR modified races up there. We had the annual triple header, sometimes even quadruple header, uh, with the modifieds, weight models, uh, street stop. And, uh, you know, we had the NASCAR Dash Series up there. It's always been a special place to me. And, you know, every time I drove up 421, headed to Boone or somewhere else, I would look over to the right and just see that place rotting away. And it just broke my heart. So, James, I think you hit it on the head. It doesn't really matter what they're racing. It's just great to have the gates open again. Uh, they, they've done a good job of trying to preserve some of the original look of the racetrack, but they've also did some updates and things. And it, maybe it's just the beginning, I hope. I'm going to nose around and let them know I'm there, and hopefully I'll get a chance to say hello to the fans. And um, it's going to be great to be back at North Wilkes for Speedway, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and Randy, you hit the nail on the head there too. Um, going to school at Appalachian State for four years, uh, driving back and forth on 421 pretty much every weekend or every you know so often to go back and forth to and from school. Um, it wasn't fun. It wasn't a cool thing to look over there to the right and see just an an icon of the sport that I love rotting away. Um, I can remember, I think there's a Jeff Gordon DVD I have somewhere that there's a, a condensed version of that final race at North Wilkesboro that he won. And I can't tell you how many times I watched that and said, do you know how cool it would be to just pop off 421 and go watch a cup race? You know, I'd, yeah. I'd imagine in my head, do you know how cool that was to say, hey, there's a cup track like 10 minutes from my house. There's a cup track like right there. You know, it to, to have something like that that was that close and then it sit that dormant for a while. But the folks at Speedway Motorsports are trying to put, um, trying to get a lot of skeletons out of closets 
uh, for folks that we won't name. Um, the, the new right. folks at Speedway Motorsports are trying to get some things that the old folks put away um, out of the way. This is one of them. Um, Brett, but- it, it was just it was just a business decision. Look, it, it was at a time when the sport was booming. It was growing. I was there at North Wilkesboro. I was part of the staff there. And the place needed a lot of work when it was open it for those last three right. or four years of cup racing. Uh, the bathrooms were terrible. The All the press boxes and buildings and things were, were getting old. They were going to have to spend a ton of money to get that track up to date. And, you know, folks with even more money came along and made them an offer they couldn't refuse. And as much as we hated to see it go away, you can't blame the, the families that owned the racetrack for doing what they did. It was a business decision. Ab- and absolutely. Yes, it, it yeah. hurt our feelings and it hurt mine, but uh, they did what was best for business. And we have to understand that. And, you know, there were so many icons that raced at that track, and there was one uh, that has been in the news recently I wanted to mention briefly, and he was a, uh, a former competitor at North Wilkesboro and at the Madhouse, and he was better known uh, at Bowman Gray, where he won a total of 45 races. He passed away recently, and I wanted to acknowledge uh, uh, the great Spider Kimmel, who won 26 Oakland races at Bowman Gray. Uh, 15 street stock races and four in the Wild and Willie Blunderbuss division. And Spider Kimball was one of those weekend warriors uh, who had so much fun racing. He was just a fun guy to be around. He was a fierce competitor on the track, and he was such a, a cool, funny guy off the racetrack. And as you mentioned, Brett, James, um, Susan Kimmel uh, married into the family and carried on the Kimmel legacy um, and, and of course became the all time winningest lady driver at Bowman Gray. So we kind of put a bow on all that Saturday night when she took the restored Ford Fairmont, the bright green car, they affectionately call Kermit and got to do a lap around Bowman Gray before the sportsman race to remember our good friend, Spider Kimmel. So, you know, our hearts are with the Kimmel family. Susan's record gets broken. We say goodbye to Spider, but we'll remember him when we fire him up at North Wilkesboro this week. Yeah, you want to talk about everything coming full circle. That's that's a heck of a way to do it. But uh, as we wrap things up here, James, you made a good point uh, about, and we'll see guys come down from from either further south into into Georgia and Florida, or whether it's up north uh, into the Midwest, if it's into Michigan or up north into New Hampshire, in Maine, the New England modified uh, scene. Uh, we'll see guys come down from there. Maybe not to run full time here, but you know to run here and there just to say, hey, I ran there. Um, but this is going to be the these this Tuesday and Wednesday at North Wilkesboro is going to be a melting pot of different styles of modified racing. J Dub, as you touched on, um, the names on that list outside of the ones that we read off to you. There's ones that we're not too awfully familiar with. There's ones that all of you might not to be too awfully familiar with that are coming from some of those other areas where the styles of racing may be different, but the modifieds that they drive are still modifieds. And we're going to see, I think the perfect way to put it is a melting pot, James. Absolutely. I think this is a track that's going to be perfect for it. It's not going to be too cramped. Um, some of the shorter tracks, I know when you get up on there, you're like, oh gosh, this guy, he can drive this line better than anyone. We stand no chance. Um, it's going to take a couple weeks of me turning laps around this thing to figure it out. You see a lot, uh, a lot of times with mile and a half, especially. Um, but when you look at a track like North Wilkesboro, 
there are some that are similar, but there's really nothing that's identical. Um, I tried to do a little bit of homework and find something that was roughly identical um, in the country. And I didn't find anything that I would consider perfectly a decent replica. The banking is a unique factor as well, because really everything about this track um, presents a new challenge to all these modified drivers. I'd like to see them go too wide if they possibly can. These cars produce a ton of grip, more so than any other oval race car, um, sans an Indy car or anything crazy like that. I mean, these cars can go too wide, hopefully, if they want to, but uh, a lot of guys might not be willing to do that, don't want to tear up equipment, don't want to tear up the track especially, but um, hopefully, hopefully, it's a good race. That's really all we can ask for, right? You want things to snowball on themselves. I know a lot of people, they say, oh, cup racing probably will never happen there. I think that is way too pessimistic. It's totally in the cards. They just have to wait to see if uh, the product is good. Yep. If, if all this goes well, cup racing is definitely in the future. We've got that. And then the dirt races in August for Randy Pettit, James Wilson, our producer, Desmond Johnson. So long. We'll see you next week.